Today has me thinking a lot about the conversations we've had thus far with regard to personal sustainability, especially as I continuously recalibrate how I think about work, mothering three children under five, and attempting to feel like I have some semblance of a sense of self. There have been too many moments to count throughout the last decade of building Move This World where I've considered throwing in the towel. The self-doubt, the exhaustion, the seemingly insurmountable challenges have kept me up too many nights to count. And each time I've stared at Rob, my husband, over dinner, and one of us has questioned, what are we doing on this wild entrepreneurial journey? The other one provides the jolt of confidence to keep going. Through the conversations we've had, it's been clear that personal sustainability is strengthened by a strong support network. We cannot be the best versions of ourselves without what Jim Cavanaugh, CEO of Worldwide Technology, calls an inner circle that's calling us out, celebrating us, challenging us, and pushing us to do better in all aspects of our lives. There are accountability partners. This conversation continues to resonate with me. So let's revisit some of the highlights that I'm still thinking about. I believe that you really need to start with the people that are closest to you and the people that mean the most to you. And I think that's the foundation of who you are, are these real relationships. Because when times get tough and you really need friends and you need family or you need people, friends can be as close as family. Those are the most important people to me. And then from there, if we can continue to grow and develop and kind of drop that pebble in a lake or the ocean and the waves and the ripples go out and we have a broader impact on the community and society and employees and all of that, that is just gravy. But if you don't take care of the foundation of your true, meaningful, deep relationships, I think it's really hard to build meaningful relationships in a bigger, broader way. I found that I lean on my inner circle in times of joy and health, like welcoming a new baby into our family, and also in times of grief and loss, like losing my grandfather to COVID or miscarrying our baby last winter. In order to sustain as a leader, a wife, a mother, and an entrepreneur, I need those ride-or-die relationships that are able to celebrate big wins with me, recognize moments of pride, and at the same time are able to sit in the well with me during moments of deep sadness. It's not all sunshine and joy, even when on the outside it feels like it should be. Welcoming our third baby into our family is what we've wanted. It's what we've waited for. It's the feeling of our love multiplying. That said, it's certainly not without two-year-old bedwetting, four-year-old attention craving, and sleep deprivation, and a struggle to find adult moments separate from our children. For me, I need to know that my inner circle can handle both the beauty and the bees. Can you tell that I have toddlers? And that they can honestly acknowledge when things are hard. And I don't have to put on my CEO face and rally them, sugarcoat it, and perform. That emotional honesty and vulnerability with my closest relationships is what grounds me as I continue and hope to sustain. In the final weeks of my pregnancy, when I was feeling acutely emotional and physically quite pregnant, I cried thinking about the inability to keep dancing, my creative medicine for my body and my soul. Sure, I was getting too pregnant to keep pushing my body in the studio, 
but I was also grieving the inevitable postpartum period of breastfeeding when taking an evening class would just be more complicated. As I sat in this realization, I thought back to my conversation with Daniel J. Watts, Tony nominee and multidisciplinary artist, about the role of creativity as a vehicle to better understand ourselves. Here's a piece of our conversation that has continued to inspire me. It's kind of a a digging. I'm digging into myself. And the longer I engage in the artistic process, the further into myself I go. And I hope to dig as deep as possible because then I can kind of forget about the idea of an audience, right? And you got to kind of get past the superficial of it all. And then you get into the real, okay, this is how I really feel. Art has always been an outlet of some form where I'm feeling something and I don't necessarily know what I'm feeling, but it's something and I need to get to the core of it. I need to get to the root of it. For me, especially throughout my journey as an entrepreneur and even more so as a CEO and a mother, dance has been what keeps me from feeling like a robot. It gives me an outlet to explore ideas and feelings that I often feel obligated to suppress for the sake of my organization, my employees, and our stakeholders. That suppression comes with the territory. Of course, I have to shield folks from much of the burden that only I can carry. But I do need a space to process it. And while, yes, I have coaches and advisors, an excellent therapist, and two vocal daughters and a husband who tell me what a rock star I am or offer a kitchen dance party, much of my most holistic processing happens when I get out of my head and into my body. And that creative process affords me the ability to make connections that I otherwise may not have. I'm so interested in the truth. I've seen the product of what happens when you suppress things too long and or when you don't get to the root of it. You kind of just let it let it fester or you don't extract it. I realized that wasn't going to work for me. And if I didn't do that, I was going to either wind up hurting somebody or in jail or just, you know, the things that happen when people don't have outlets and or when people don't really know what the root of it is. And therapy really helped me dig deeper. I would always go deep, but there was another level. Therapy really helped me understand that. Despite the constant caretaking and attention that raising a newborn requires, I know I must return to the dance studio to feel whole. I know that I won't generate new game-changing ideas for Move This World if I don't. I know that I will grow to resent my work if I can't feel free to express all of myself. And yes, I feel supremely lucky to both A, know what I need in terms of creative fulfillment, and B, have the support system in my partner to help hold me accountable to following through. I find when you're artistic in whatever capacity, that's the most free you could actually probably be. There are people who are in prison, but they feel super free whenever they're artistic. Freedom is relative in some ways, and freedom is not relative, right? How free can I be in myself? And I think art in its rawest form in terms of expressing oneself. Take a moment for yourself to get free because you're probably not as free as you think you are. When I get caught up in the moment, singing the one millionth rendition of the song, Let's Change the Diaper and look at the dark circles under my eyes and am schlepping my toddlers to and from their various summer activities, I remember that this is a season and to be as fully present for it as possible because soon enough, that season will change. 
I remember after 13 months of breastfeeding my first daughter, Sidel, and finally weaning and coming up for air, I felt like I was looking around and becoming a person independent of my child for the first time. I could really go out to dinner without worrying about nursing beforehand or go for an early morning run and not have to be back in time to feed her. The idea of freedom felt so foreign. But it did return, albeit in a new form. And so when I went to nurse my second daughter, I remembered that this period too was just a season, that everything is temporal and has an end date. Jill Nicolation, CEO of Juniper Park, TBWA, and I spoke about this idea. And I think it's a helpful reminder for anyone who is experiencing a season that feels like it will never end. Things are always changing in nature. Flowers bloom and they're glorious and then they fade and then they go into hibernation and then they come back again. We don't think anything of nature coming and going in its seasons. We can have those too. And I find Mm -hmm. in great changes, either in relationships or client relationships, when things are naturally trying to wind up, I accept it. Each of these seasons will pass. And it's up to us to be present for them and find meaning where we can. With the newest addition to our family, and my husband and I now officially being outnumbered by children, I'm also thinking a lot about work-life integration. I've never liked the expression work-life balance because I know it's not all ever perfectly in balance. It's about seasons that ebb and flow based on what's happening in our lives. It's about being present to where we are and trusting that we're doing what's best for the season in front of us. Some things will fall off based on the current season. The goal is not to have it all perfectly in balance. Right now, my family season is turned way up and it's harder for me to find the time to go out with my girlfriends or catch up on the phone. But I know this season will pass and when the next season arrives, it may be the time to turn that friendship pod way up or sign up for another performance intensive. Areas of life that are not getting all my love and attention at the moment, and that's okay. I loved how Eric Decker, NFL wide receiver turned entrepreneur, talked about the unpredictability of it all and finding creative ways to integrate both work and parenting. Their solution was to bring the whole family on his country music star wife's tour. This entire conversation is a must listen for any working parents. That's the hard part, too, is the unpredictability in a sense where mm-hmm. there isn't a structured format. One day looks completely opposite of the next. And then you're trying to blend in kids' activities or things that are, in a sense, routine and just trying to make it all blend and work. It's just so nice to be together and for them to see their mommy singing and doing what she loves and people screaming for her. I think they're just like, it's special. Yeah. That's it for me. That's what life is. like. You get those nuggets that are special. And so fun experiences are the ones you talk about and remember. And like, maybe it's tough, maybe it's a grind at times, but like there's so much that it's worth to make that happen. The idea of Eric Decker and Jesse James Decker's kids getting to see their mom do her thing, what she loves, made me so happy. To imagine them backstage and watching mom sing her heart out and bring her energy and creativity to millions of people is an inspiration. I hope my daughters and my son are proud of their mom for doing work I love and attempting to leave the world a little more connected, expressive, and resilient. It's certainly confusing wanting to separate and protect my kids from all of the stress I shoulder, 
not expecting them to understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur, and also wanting to be honest with them about my own feelings so that they feel validated in theirs. I appreciated what Maya Anista Smith, CEO of Lady Gaga's Born This Way Foundation, said about the role of vulnerability in parenting, something I know I hadn't previously thought about explicitly. Of course, I want to let myself cry in front of my kids, if that's how I'm feeling. I want them to see me dance and sing my face off when I'm feeling joyful and free. I want them to see me experience the full range of emotions, emotions where I'm feeling both good and bad, and for them to know that all those feelings are acceptable. And still, hearing Maya speak about vulnerability as a parent was a light bulb moment for me. Here's a piece of that conversation. So when Hunter's sad, I'm always like, Hunter, what's wrong? What's going on? Why are you sad? But I don't as often tell Hunter why I'm sad. We have to start having conversations about like our feelings and that's what Move This World does in such a powerful way. And then the second thing is we judge our kids even when we don't mean to, right? So as parents, we really need to make sure that we're listening to our kids, that we're modeling the type of vulnerability that we're asking of them and that we're not judging them when they share their emotions and their experiences. I also want to commit to difficult conversations with my children, with my husband, Rob, with my employees, with my friends. Difficult conversations are the ones from which we learn and grow. If we don't lean on that inner circle to hold us accountable, we can become complacent. I want to talk to my two and four-year-old daughters about how the world is unfair and the privilege they hold. I'm reminded by Daniel J. Watt's poetic words on what happens when we're silent, which takes on new meaning given the continued tragedies and discrimination in our country. I took a break and then I felt uncomfortable with my own silence. I wasn't pointing a finger. I was talking to myself. I hope that people can draw parallels between disenfranchised groups and, you know, understand like, That piece isn't just about race. It's about where are you silent ever? Men, are you silent about women's rights? Hetero cis folks, are you silent in LGBTQAI plus? You know, everyone has their moment of silence. And what is it? And who are you going to be in the story? Are you going to be the hero? Are you going to be the villain? Are you going to be the sidekick? Who are you? And despite being home with my baby, I want to ensure that my team continues to push toward difficult conversations, acknowledging what's true even when it's scary, and walking toward it. This is how we will keep elevating our work and ourselves. This part of my conversation with Carly Fiorina continues to replay in my head on the importance of courage and walking towards fear. So how do you practice courage? We talked about self-reflection. Reflect on what scares you. What is it that scares you? And then walk towards it. Don't avoid it. The longer you avoid what scares you, the scarier it becomes. And that's why a first step is always to see the truth, then to be able to speak the truth. Because a lot of times, as we know, we can see what's true, but we're afraid to say it out loud. And until we say it out loud, we can't act on it. And so seeing the truth, having the courage to speak the truth, and then having the courage and building the alliances necessary to act on the truth. This is the essence of leadership. Everyone has preconceived ideas about what motherhood is and should be and what it means to be a CEO. Because of this unfortunate judgment, 
I hid my pregnancy for as long as I possibly could. For my other two pregnancies with the girls, I have a portion of wardrobe designed to hide my growing body. And those clothes served me this winter well into 20 weeks pregnant and I couldn't button my pants any longer. It makes me sad that we as women leaders have to be cautious of how we outwardly embrace the power we have to both create life and meaningful work, despite our ability to nurture and build families and succeed professionally. Mayor Francis Suarez of Miami and I discussed the positive impact women have on him as a leader, professional, father, and friend. And of course, being able to have that conversation with his wife made it all the more special. Here's some of what he shared with us. Well, there's no doubt that I'm in touch with my feminine side. That's uh, that's indisputable. <laughs> my life really is a collection of powerful and incredible women. I think the fact that I've grown up with women and been around women certainly helps me in a variety of different ways. I find the women that I interact with and that I have to deal with on a daily basis, they're extremely conscientious. And I think that without a doubt rubs off on me. In this particular phase of my life, I am much more surrounded almost exclusively by women who are managing me. And without a doubt, it helps me understand people better. I think my EQ goes up as well. And that's something that's needed in in a world like ours, where, like you said, empathy and being able to feel and being able to understand what people are going through is an incredibly powerful emotion that helps you connect, which is really what being in public service is about. I was inspired by the clarity and self-awareness Maya Anista Smith shared with regard to her decision to buck societal norms on motherhood and maternity leave and do what she knew was best for her, despite any potential judgment on how it may be viewed. I'm so grateful she shared this private decision with me during our conversation because it's a beautiful example of self-awareness and self-commitment in order to be the best leader, mother, and person. When Hunter was born, I immediately knew that something wasn't right. Beyond just sort of the sleeplessness and the learning curve, I quickly found out that I was suffering from pretty severe postpartum depression. And my identity had been so closely connected to my professional life. And postpartum depression and mental health is so much more complicated than just me boiling it down like that. But for me, it was the loss of an identity and the simultaneous addition of a new one that was just really overwhelming. And so the second time around, I went back to work in a completely modified way, but took meetings with a three-week-old Logan attached to me. She went on her first work trip at five weeks old to New York City. And and I'm trying to convince Dave now for a third baby because I think truly, like, (laughs) we would nail it this third time. Managing the extreme highs and lows of building an organization, especially with the increased chaos of three babies under five at home, I think a lot about consistency. Many times there will be a win at work, and my husband asks why I'm not more excited. I've thought about this often, and while yes, I do want to celebrate the win, I'm thinking about the next inevitable valley. Because there will be peaks of pride and success, and without a doubt, there will be moments of frustration and loss. And it's up to me as the entrepreneur and the leader to ride those waves. This had me thinking about what Eric Decker shared with regard to emotional consistency. I want to try to be as consistent as possible, like a straight line, you know, not taking the roller coaster of the highs and lows and like going through it all in a sense, the same. And as I became a professional, I felt like the lows weren't as low and the highs for me weren't as high because I was like, well, 
I got to focus on the next week or I got to focus on the next thing. And so I think I've weathered myself to the point of trying to be a consistent line. And so I think there's pros and cons of both. If you're an emotional person, like you feel those emotions and it's just a wild ride. But at the same time, I think being consistent with emotions gives you maybe more longevity and just the long tenure. You got to find that balance. I remember the first time I wondered if something was wrong with me. I started feeling the highs less acutely. And having been raised in a very expressive, emotive home, this was new. I felt numb, even. At the first of what would become many silent retreats, I asked the monk during our interview if the boundaries I felt toward others made me a worse daughter, sister, and friend. Sarah, he said, your boundaries are an act of self-love. Through my meditation practice, I've learned to be more emotionally consistent and to not be as impacted by the energies and needs of others. This came up in my conversation with Jill Nicolation, who talked about the idea of energy transfer between individuals. Take a listen. I realized about six years ago, we as humans are porous. We absorb everything. We absorb our environment. We absorb the people we're with. And so I became very aware and then very choiceful as to what do I choose to have in my orbit, in my environment? Because it does matter, and it matters for each of us. And I mean our behaviors, I mean our vibe. Are you aware that your vibe transfers? And if we understand that we're porous, then you have to be responsible for the energy you bring to each interaction. We have the ability to control how much we allow ourselves to absorb the energies and priorities of others. During the silent retreats I've participated in, we went as far as not even allowing eye contact, as eye contact provides a vehicle to transfer energy and intention. Not all of us have the opportunity to engage in multi-day silent retreats or even speak to a mental health professional regularly. For me, each time I have a baby and begin our breastfeeding journey together, my personal wellness routine has to evolve based on what's in front of me. I love how Mark Bertolini, former chairman and CEO of Aetna, talked about how to create change. Wellness plans have to feel achievable. It was when we started thinking about why people didn't engage in their health, it kicked off this whole idea of what is the next best action, the next simple thing you could do to improve the quality of your health based on what's relevant to you as a person and achieving the level of health you find important to the life you want to lead, then all of a sudden you've got people's attention Mm. versus holding up the cover of men's fitness magazine and saying, here's a perfect, healthy person. This is what you need to achieve. And most people go, I ain't going to get there. One constant that keeps me dedicated to building the move this world movement is knowing that we never truly arrive, that this is a practice that is oftentimes scary and certainly hard, and we may not always like what we see, but we're constantly evolving and recalibrating and strengthening ourselves along the way. In my conversation with former ABC Bachelor Ben Higgins, he spoke beautifully about self-discovery and self-work. Here's one of my favorite moments from our conversation. I think the mystery is something that's beautiful, that's built out of love, that's built out of a connection with each other and with the living things around us. And I believe leaning into that mystery, as fluffy and mystical as that might sound, actually is something beautiful. And I believe not doing that is missing out on maybe the most crucial piece of our human experience. 
And I believe if you don't lean in, you could be like me, where I was sitting for years numbing it and not fully experiencing who I am as a human and going in down a really heavy place to where my value was in question, my worth was in question, my space and time on this earth was in question. And I believe leaning in allowed me to see a different angle, an angle that I could become proud of. It's not always easy. It doesn't happen immediately, but at least I took accountability or responsibility for my human experience. Changing and growing who we are can certainly be messy and full of surprises. I'm grateful to learn alongside all of our brave guests, each of you, and these three rugrats in front of me. As we continue to have these conversations together here on Move This World with Sarah and within our own families, relationships, and communities, we are building our inner strength, sense of self, and appreciation for the importance of the relationships that sustain us. Thanks for listening and moving this world with me. listening to Move This World with me, Sarah Potler Lane. Before you go, wherever you are right now, join me for one final breath and hold in your mind a word or phrase that you are taking away from this conversation. Breathe in and out. At Move This World, we know social and emotional wellness is necessary, relevant, and impacts our everyday lives at school, in our homes, at our workplaces, and in our relationships. The tools we need to develop are critical for our happiness and success as individuals and as communities. Together, we can create a world where everyone belongs. To explore more ways to move this world, visit us at movethisworld.com or follow us on Twitter at move underscore this world. If you liked this episode, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Jonathan Jacobson and Seaplane Armada. I cannot wait to move this world with you.